CBS casts new villains. And we talk all things San Diego Comic-Con. This is Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's upcoming Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino. And I'm Rebecca Johnson. In this episode, we're going to discuss all the latest casting and villain announcements, the TV Guide Supergirl comic, and interviews from San Diego Comic-Con. So let's get right into the news. On July 8th, Entertainment Weekly posted an interview with Ali Adler, talking about how they're going to incorporate Superman into the Supergirl TV show. She said, quote, Our prototype is the way the president is seen on Veep, referring to the HBO drama's clever way of mentioning but never showing the president. It's certainly inspired by so much of what Julia Louis-Dreyfus's character goes through. Ultimately, this is a show about Supergirl, and we really want to see it through her lens. Have you seen Veep? I have, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like such a terrible Julia Louis-Dreyfus fan because I've never watched it, but I don't have HBO, so I I, I hope it's on Netflix or something. I need to catch up on it. But yeah. um, but I, I am not familiar with how they, like in the article, it mentions how they portray the mentions of the president. Is that kind of yeah. your take on it as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, it sounds like it could be really cool because Veep, first of all, is hilarious and you should watch it. And <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a great show. And yeah, what they do is basically, you know, she's the vice president, and whenever she talks to the president, it's always on the phone, and you don't hear him. Or she'll go into a room and open the door and stick her head in to talk to him, and you don't see him. And a, a big part of the joke is that he always kind of ignores her. Um, <laughs> like he's supposed to be including her on stuff and like whatever, and and she's just so like an afterthought to the president that he's barely around and, and he barely includes her in anything. Um, do you ever physically see him though? Do you like, do you know what he looks like? Uh, now I, I've heard that uh, cause I'm, I've only watched the first couple of seasons. Um, and I've heard that that changes. So somebody who knows who's more current on Veep will probably be able to tell you that. Um, okay. as far as I've watched, no, you never see him. Okay. So you have no idea what he looks like, but I've heard that that's changed. So I don't know if that means that we've seen him now or what. But so somebody can can uh, maybe let us know in the comments who's more current on Veep uh, how that works out. Yeah, I, I was really interested in the fact that Allie, Allie Adler brought up Veep because when she was talking about how they they want to try to do it so that it, they focus on Supergirl but kind of just mention Superman, my mind goes to the Birds of Prey TV series uh, back mm. on the WB. Uh, a, a while back because that show 
was based in what they called New Gotham, and it was Huntress, who was the daughter of Batman and Catwoman. And so they would talk, and even Alfred was on the show, and so they would talk about Batman and Huntress's father and all that kind of stuff. And it was kind of tough because they talk about him a lot, and and you do kind of see a body on the phone uh, with Alfred uh, at the end of the series. So you kind of know that he's a presence there, but it was kind of a tough line because part of me did, you know, if you're going to talk about Batman, you might as well show him. So that is kind of a fine line that you have to walk. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and it seems like they're going to be in different cities on, on the CBS show. So it'll be more, there'll be more of a reason for him not to be there. Yeah. Um, Cause he's busy in Metropolis doing his thing. Well, also on July 8th, the official Supergirl Twitter account, which you can follow at SupergirlCBS, tweeted out a brand new promo for the show. So I like that CBS is uh, getting some promotional spots out there. And yes, I have seen another uh, CBS Supergirl spot during the Young and the Restless. (laughs) Watching your soaps. (laughs) They are promoting Supergirl during that time slot, which I love because it uh, it actually makes me not want to fast forward through the Young and the Restless, which is tough (laughs) because sometimes I don't want to watch some things. Um, But yeah, so I think it's really interesting that they've started to put spots out there and create promotional uh, material for the show, uh, even though it doesn't uh, premiere until October. But this one, I noticed uh, there were a couple of new things in there. Um, There was one little bit with Kat Grant, and she says, this girl is the answer. There is nothing people love more than a hero. So that's kind of cool to hear Kat Grant kind of talk about (laughs) sort of her idea of how to market the story and Supergirl. And I love the little moment in the the spot where Kara is <laughs> kind of is celebrating her 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 rescue and being excited about saving the plane. So I thought it was a really good spot. It was. And I also love that they are uh, working so hard to market the show to a primarily female demographic. Like they're they're going, you know, they obviously know who they're targeting. Um, they're targeting people like Rebecca who watch The Young and the Restless. Yep. yep. Uh, <laughs> and you know, so so it's like they they're they're trying really hard to court women and to court um, a specific age range and demographic. Uh, and I appreciate that because it's it's offering them something where they're not usually offered stuff so directly. And and Um, marketing is so important to a TV series success or failure. If you market something the wrong way or you don't market enough, that can determine your outcome when the show premieres. So I like that they are marketing early and that they do have a plan for how they want to reach the audience. So that gives me a lot of confidence in how they are trying to push the show. Yeah, and also like that they are marketing to um, both young women um, with their choice of music, with their, you know, I mean, all of the, a lot of the internet stuff seems geared toward younger women and and girls, Um, but that they also are marketing to older women, um, you know, uh, when they're advertising stuff like during daytime soap time when <laughs> what, it's like what a mom. Are you, what, are, what are you trying to say? No, I'm just trying to say we're old, Rebecca. No. Uh, <laughs> it's it's <laughs> no, true. It's true. But like mothers of kids, you know, yeah, like even, people even you know, young moms who are, right, who are like, who are home daytime watching soaps and talk shows and stuff uh, that, you know, who aren't tweens, you know, yeah, like it's, yeah. it's not, basically they're telling us that it's not just a show for for tweens or for young girls. It's a show for for women of any generation right. who want a powerful female figure on TV. 
Yeah, they're covering all their bases. So on July 11th, which was my birthday, um, (laughs) happy happy birthday birthday to me, (laughs) uh, Entertainment Weekly posted a video interview because they knew it was my birthday. um, And also maybe because Comic-Con was going on. I don't know. um, (laughs) With the Supergirl cast. Uh, Melissa Benoist talked about um, reading up on Supergirl. And Ali Adler talked making the show something for everyone with different genres all rolled into one. Uh, they even joked about getting matching Supergirl tattoos. And Ali and Melissa pointed out that needles can't pierce Supergirl's skin, so it might not be something Melissa can do. <laughs> um, although, you know, as we saw in uh, Candor, when we read that, she got a tattoo. Yes. <laughs> You just need special alien needles, that's all. Yeah, use kryptonite or be somewhere where you're not affected by the sun, then then you can get that, that <laughs> tattoo. And what I loved about this interview from Entertainment Weekly was that they talked about kryptonese, like Allie Adler <laughs> brings it up. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is such a specific thing for them to talk about, like it's not something that like the general audience who just happens to click on this video on Entertainment Weekly might that they might not know what Kryptonese is. And so like it became a running joke in the video. It's actually a fun interview because they start to talk about like what what Kryptonese is and can you speak it and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> so I thought it was really fun that it, it shows that Allie Adler has done her homework. You know, she's Definitely. she's not just being like, oh, we're going to make a superhero show. She has read the comics. She knows what Kryptonese is. She understands Kryptonian uh, culture. And I am very happy about that. So uh, totally. good job, Allie Adler, because that made my <laughs> nerd brain excited. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I love that... Uh, that they seem to be paying so much attention and, and having so much care with the uh, with the culture around Supergirl. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, Time.com spoke with Melissa Benoist about the pressure in playing a superhero, what it's like to work with green screen, and what Supergirl has taught her about being a woman. When asked if she feels the pressure of bringing back a female superhero to the small screen, Melissa said, quote, of course I feel pressure because of that. It feels big. I'm accountable for the message we're trying to spread and what Supergirl does, whether she defeats a bad guy, how she defeats him, how she deals with her problems. But I think there's this climate now where women are really speaking up and women aren't afraid anymore. (laughs) I know that this is not Gloria Steinem, but I think it's important. Unquote. She also uh, gave some insight into how she plays scenes in front of her green screen. She said, quote, you have to keep a grounded humanity even though you don't have anything around you and you're saying these one-liners. Finding the humanity is something that's important to me, but it's very difficult, end quote. Um, she says she manages that by relating to a scene, r- relating a scene to a real situation. She gave this example. Quote, I try to imagine, say there's a situation where they're having me fly and something is really dire and I have to go save someone and fight someone. I'm flying as if someone is mugging my mom and I'm going to save her. I don't know. You just have to root it in real situations, end quote, which is what acting's all about. But like, especially having watched that interview that she did with um, The Hollywood Reporter, where she was talking about her mom and how much her mom meant to her, something like that would be very, very real for her and intense for her. So, um it's cool to see how she's bringing her her life into this role. I thought it was really cool because I am not an actress. Like I tried acting when I was in high school and I was terrible at it. <laughs> so, uh, so I thought that was a really cool bit of insight into how she approaches that and how 
like she becomes like that's how she's becoming the superhero who is trying to save the day. And I think that's really cool because she does a really good job with that. And so I, I thought that was a cool little bit of acting insight from Melissa Benoist. And mm-hmm. this is my favorite bit from the time.com interview when asked, quote, is there anything that the character of Supergirl has taught you about being a woman? Unquote. Melissa said she's learned, quote, not to take any crap. Unquote. <laughs> um, she said, I'm a person that is really afraid of confrontation. I always have been. That's slowly but surely fading in a way that's graceful. I try to confront with grace and strength. I think part of it is when you see a lot of powerful women in movies and TV, they come across as, um, we'll say witches here um, instead of the (laughs) The B word, word. the B word (laughs) or snarky or someone you don't want to be friends with. I think a lot of what playing Kara has taught me is really doing it with positivity and hope and being a good influence, unquote. And so I think that's really cool. Uh, I, I think that's good advice for everybody. And I think that's cool (laughs) that she's learned that through being a superhero and being Supergirl, that you can kind of speak up for what you believe in, but um, you don't have to be kind of snarky or negative about it. And that's, I was like, that's good advice. I should take that to heart. Yeah, no. And, and it's, and it's interesting too, that, that she mentions, you know, that when we see them, you know, women standing up for themselves in film or on TV, that they often seem like the B word. And I think that that says a lot, too, about what we expect from women and that, like, whenever a woman stands up for herself, it's kind of seen as she's being that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, no, it's it's like sometimes you do have to stand up for yourself and for what you believe in. And it's not just you being a witch. <laughs> it's you, you know, saying, hey, look, I'm not going to let you take advantage of me, hurt someone I care about, et cetera, et cetera, and that that's okay. So I hope that Supergirl gives uh, girls and women that permission to be able to to stand up for themselves without worrying about what they look like to people, you know? Yeah, and when I think of Supergirl, that's kind of how, I mean, that's, that is Supergirl. Yeah. And so I think that's cool that she has adopted that personality trait from the Supergirl character and kind of made it part of her own life and the way she handles herself. And so I think that's pretty cool. Well, when TVLine.com sat down to chat with the Supergirl cast, uh, Ali Adler mentioned that during the casting process, Melissa Benoist was the first actress they saw for Kara. Um, this continues a, uh, a casting pattern for DC TV shows because Stephen Amell was the first actor who auditioned for Oliver Queen and Grant Gustin was the first actor seen for The Flash. Um, so I'm wondering why they don't just cut off their auditions at this point. Like, who, whoever walks in the door first, be like, congratulations. Whoever you are, I'm not even going to look at you perform. You've got the part. Let's just do this. Yeah, they set the bar so high that everybody else just doesn't measure up. Exactly. Well, the Supergirl panel at San Diego Comic-Con happened very late on Saturday, July 11th. I tried to stay up and kind of follow it on Twitter but it was it was so late my time. It was about one o'clock a.m. Yeah. before anything started happening with Supergirl. And I was like, I love Supergirl, but I have got to go to sleep. <laughs> I gotta go to bed. <laughs> so so I kind of got up the next morning and started to follow it. You know, as the news kind of came in. And so here are some of the ha- highlights from the panel uh, with the cast and executive producers. If you didn't get a chance to check it out. Um, Jeff Johns mentioned that Greg Berlanti had a very specific vision and how to execute the show 
like the comic books and Jeff John said he, he really liked, he, he really appreciated wanting to do it like the comic books. So I thought that was uh, cool to know that it wasn't something they just kind of oh let's make a Supergirl TV show you know whatever. They had a really specific reason that they wanted to do that and uh, I thought that was good to know. And uh, Greg Berlanti said that he wanted to do the Superman Supergirl mythology and he said that S justice. So I, I, I again I like that they are not taking it for granted that they are wanting to do right by the comic books. They're wanting to do right by these characters. And as, as a Superman Supergirl fan, that, that makes me very happy. Definitely. <laughs> One thing that I really cracked me up during the panel was that the moderator introduced Makad Brooks as quote, James Olsen, who's all grown up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. I was like, you have no idea how happy it makes me. That you said it that way. <laughs> oh, I man, see, <laughs> I wish I would have been able to be there. Just be like, grown man Olsen. <laughs> and there was a moment where the moderator mentioned that Stephen Amell had previously been asked to show his abs at a convention. And so they kind of <laughs> suckered McCod Brooks into doing it. So, <laughs> you know, couldn't be outdone by Stephen Amell. So McCod Brooks picked up his shirt and showed his abs. And it was really funny and kind of cute at the same time because Melissa and Kyler, like, didn't want to look. Like, they were sort of embarrassed. It was cute. Oh, um, my God. I wish I would have been there. I'm like, now I need to troll the Internet for photos of McCod Brooks' abs. I'm so excuse sh- me. Sure. While, you, while you're doing this, I'm going to go look at pictures of his abs. Continue. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you can find it. Um, Andrew Kreisberg, uh, who is one of the executive producers and writers, said that they were heavily influenced by the Donner Superman movies when uh, coming up with the tone for Supergirl. And I actually kind of have a love-hate relationship with the Donnerverse. I know a lot of people love it. And I do, I do love it for what it is. But there's part of me that's like, those are the movies where Superman mind wipes Lois several times and does all mm. this stuff. And I'm like... Sometimes I think, and I think Superman Returns is a good example, that if you try to hit that so hard, it becomes outdated, and it's not something that is good to revisit. Like, you want to kind of revamp it and, you know, um, not change for change's sake, which I've heard some people say, but... Uh, but you you want to do something different. So my hope for this show is that, yes, okay, you can kind of have the tone of the, the Donner Superman movies, but let's not redo them. You know, like I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to pull so, because Smallville pulled very heavily from the Donnerverse. Like the Smallville Fortress of Solitude looked very much like the ones, uh, the, the one in the Superman the movie and I, I just, I kind of want to see some new things. I, I don't want to see a retread of those movies. So I was kind of like, eh, I get what you're saying, but I, I have, I have a hesitancy about that a little bit. I feel like with with this group of people doing this show, I mean, they'll be influenced by it, sure, but it'll definitely have their own. It'll be their own take. I mean, they they already have such a style and a. Uh, uh, I mean, you you look at, you know, Arrow and The Flash, two very different shows, but they have a lot of things in common. And there's definitely a voice and a vibe that they share. So I feel like, you know, they sure, there might be callbacks to older stuff and and whatnot. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to be very grounded in, in what they do so well as a team. 
Yeah, and and going back to the idea that Greg Berlanti had a very specific vision for the show, I think if they if they try to put a unique spin on it and and do have a voice of their own, I think it'll be good. I just I was like, oh, really? Why are we still dipping into the Superman the movie well? Like I yeah. that's what I loved about Man of Steel was that it was so it wasn't so drastically different that you didn't know it was Superman, but it also tried to do something new and it tried to do something with a unique take on it. And it was, it was influenced by other interpretations of Superman, but it was something that wasn't dipping back into that well. And so I I would hate for Supergirl to just be, Oh, let's borrow everything from the Donner movie. So I, 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 I hope I'm just like, worrying about it too much and i i think what they're <laughs> I, I think what they're really saying is yes we like the lightness of the donner movies uh or the donner movie well i guess some people say that most of superman 2 is richard donner but anyway um <laughs> the the tone of those movies is kind of a more lighthearted, uh kind of a more optimistic take on the character so i think that's what they were saying is that they want supergirl to have that lightheartedness to her yeah. Well, and so some of the big news that came out of the panel were casting some villains and announcements of villains that are to come, which I got. This is what made me really, really excited yep. from the panel. Um, because, like, that, I, I told you how I, I went to sleep because the panel had gone on so long and it was so late where, where I live on the East Coast. And uh, I got up the next morning and I saw Twitter had this announcement that, well, I saw some tweets that Reactron and Livewire were supposed to show up yes. in season one of Supergirl. And I was like, so it, excited. It was so early that morning that I was like, wait, is this real? Like, I got to find if this is like a real thing or people just tweeting this. Like, I had to to, like (laughs) dig through the news to find out what the sources were for this because I just couldn't believe it because I was like, we just talked about Livewire. So yeah, we just talked about Livewire and wondering whether or not she was going to be on Supergirl and our prayers have been answered. It's funny, we we have no prior knowledge of anything. We don't have any insider information about anything that's going to happen on the show. So we were just kind of putting it out there uh, in our Girls Night Out episode that we would love to see Livewire and just happened to happen. Well, you know, see, this is how why I think we're magic is because, (laughs) you know, we've been saying, you know, James, the grown man Olsen forever. And now, you know, that's how they're going to start referring to him, I'm sure. They already started at this panel. And uh, now they're bringing Livewire on because we wished it. Yes. So, you know, I also want to wish for a million dollars from CBS directly to my mailbox. So, (laughs) you know. Put it out there. Just putting it out there in the universe. If CBS wants to give me a million dollars for no reason other than they think I'm awesome, <laughs> that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Well, and I think it's cool that Reactron, I know we talked a little bit about Livewire just now, but Reactron is uh, a, an awesome villain. Yes. I was definitely featured in the Sterling Gates run and some of the, the paperbacks, the trade paperbacks before his started. And... Um, Ange on Twitter actually uh, reminded me that Reactron has been a villain for Supergirl for a long time. So he has a lot of history with Supergirl. So I'm really curious to see how they will utilize both of these characters, Reactron Reactron and Livewire. Because one of the things I loved about Reactron was that he really 
messed up Supergirl's world. You know, he killed yeah. he killed her father. And so yeah. that was a real personal situation with Supergirl. So I, I'm I'm curious as to how like how what what's his backstory gonna be on the show? How is he going to interact with Supergirl and is he going to have some sort of is he going to kill somebody that she loves or cares about those are I have a lot of questions about you know how are they going to bring Livewire into it what's her backstory going to be how are they going to betray her like now I'm asking all these questions now that we have all this information yeah and it's and it really is exciting and uh, with Reactron it's uh, yeah you do have that connection with um, in the comics him having killed Kara's father but then you also have the stuff like, you know, stories like the little boy who's dying of cancer and she makes right. a promise to him. Um, so I feel like Reactron can also be used as like a uh, um, in a different capacity, like maybe not even just straight up villain, but someone that she can go to, you know, kind of like one of those villains who that you love to hate or that, you know, Kara can begrudgingly work with in certain situations when when the situation calls for it. They can really tell like uh, some pretty complex stories with these two in particular. So I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, it's interesting if you watch the panel because it's it's out there on YouTube. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I think some websites like re- release it officially. Um, but it, it was interesting to me that like during the panel when Ali Adler announced Reactron and Livewire, there wasn't a big like applause for it because I guess like the crowd didn't know who Reactron was. And it was funny when I was watching it, I was like, oh my gosh, I know exactly who that is. <laughs> so I was sort of freaking out about it, even if the, the crowd in San Diego was like, oh, okay, that's, that's nice. Uh-huh. Well, that's what I hope that that the show does is because I mean comics, you know, compared to to film and TV, comics has a smaller audience. I mean, that's just you know, books and comics. You know, f- when you say something's a bestseller, that's still a small number compared to like film and TV. Oh, yeah. And so, what I hope you know the CBS show will do is to uh, bring a lot of these characters that. A lot of people that are that go to San Diego Comic Con go for the film and TV stuff, and so they're like, "Oh, a Supergirl TV show, that's awesome!" But they might never have read the comics. They might never have, you know, had any exposure to these characters. And so, um, it's cool that the the creative team has done their homework so that they can bring these characters to an audience that's never seen them before. Yeah, and it's it's been nice to have had this Supergirl radio experience because even though I knew who Livewire was, I didn't know who Reactron was before right. we, we read those stories. So uh, there's definitely a learning curve for, you know, uh, anybody who's watching this show. So I think it'd be cool to have a way to introduce these characters and kind of educate the audience about Supergirl's mythology as they go along with their season. So I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by how they're going to bring them into the show. Totally. Well, and the big, big, big announcement from the panel was that they also announced Peter Fascinelli, who uh, he came out on stage and they said he is going to play Maxwell Lord. And uh, TVLine.com reports that, quote, on the CBS series, Maxwell is a green tech billionaire who enjoys a friendly rivalry with Callista Flockhart's Cat Grant and a fascination with National City's new hero, Supergirl, unquote. 
And Deadline.com gave this rundown of the Maxwell Lord character, saying, quote, Lord is a rather complex character in the DC Comics universe. He was instrumental in the formation of the Justice League International, and at one point in the 2005 comic book Countdown to Infinite Crisis, uses his powers to influence Superman's mind, sending the Man of Steel on a mission to beat up both Batman and Wonder Woman, unquote. And so that was good information to know. The only thing I really knew about Maxwell Lord before this announcement was that Wonder Woman kills him. So that was kind of my touch point to the the Maxwell Lord. Um, And it's kind of a controversial thing. I I haven't actually read that story, but that's just kind of what I I know of Maxwell Lord is that he is killed by Wonder Woman. So uh, I like the take that they're going to have him interact with Cat Grant. So this is uh, the first kind of big storyline I think we'll get to see with her. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, I, I also don't have much experience with that character. Um, but I I do love that uh, that they've gotten so involved with the, the description of this. This is probably going to be like probably the first half of the season. And <laughs> I love that uh, he's used his powers to uh, to make Superman beat up Batman and Wonder Woman. <laughs> um, that's like that's what he what he chooses to do with his time. Um, so complex indeed. Um, but now the uh, last bit of news um, are some things from the Comic-Con roundtable interviews. Uh, in the interview with Allie Adler, she was asked if it was intentional that Kara's sister had an L-E-X in her name. And Allie said no and laughed. Um, so all you nerds who are looking for Easter eggs and clues and absolutely everything, uh, that apparently is just a coincidence. Her I name- was... Alex for no other reason than it's Alex. <laughs> I was really, really surprised by that, actually, because and maybe maybe she's lying. You know, sometimes showrunners do that. Sometimes they'll lie to cover up a story. Um, but it's it seemed like it almost the way she reacted to it was almost like she hadn't even thought about it. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like that's such a weird assumption to make and no (laughs) but but I had I had thought of that myself because and that made me really worried about Kara and Alex's relationship because I was like oh I'm gonna get invested in them as sisters and love their bond and then one day Alex is gonna turn bad and have it in for Supergirl and I didn't you know I was like I don't want to see that happen um, so maybe this is a good thing maybe hopefully they won't have uh, problems la- later on down the road. Of course, I mean they're sisters, so <laughs> sisters They'll have some- problems. Yeah, s- sometimes they don't. They probably won't get along uh, as sisters do. But I thought that was very intriguing that Alex was not supposed to be like a Lex Luthor esque kind of a character. Yeah, well, and it, and also you know I'm I'm sure they'll do the inevitable story where Alex is somehow brainwashed or or something like they'll probably pit them against each other at some point through some superhero trope or other. But yeah, I think connecting her to Lex Luthor in any way is probably a stretch. Yeah, so I'm actually kind of relieved at that little bit from that interview. And since I am a huge fan of Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movies. Um, I have their entire collection on DVD. And uh, what caught my attention in Sarah Schechter's roundtable interview was that she mentioned that Greg Berlanti's pitch that he had this very specific vision for, for Supergirl, included him thinking about the famous quote that Ginger Rogers did everything Fred Astaire did, just backwards and in high heels, which 
actually originated in a Frank and Ernest cartoon in 1982. I've heard some people say that, oh, Catherine Hepburn said that, but that's not true. If anybody tells you that, that's they don't know what they're talking about. It actually <laughs> originated in a cartoon in 1982. Um, and I think she said that in regards to how to execute a Supergirl TV series, which I think is really interesting because I guess that's she's sort of making that allusion to how you know, Superman and Supergirl have the same kind of powers. They have all of the, you know, a a very similar backstory. But Supergirl can do the same things that Superman does. And sometimes she has to work a little harder. And uh, I I thought that was a really interesting parallel because I have done a lot of research into Ginger Rogers' history because I I think she's such a, well, she was a good actress. I mean, she's, she's long gone now, unfortunately, but, um, I, have I've done a lot of history, uh, research with her. And, um, there's this one story that's really famous and I don't know if it's true. It could just be a legend, but, um, back when they were making the movie swing time, which is like actually my favorite movie of theirs, she danced so much and so hard that her feet started bleeding in her shoes. So, and for for them to talk about how Ginger Rogers did everything backwards and in high heels, to me that that just means that like, you know, Ginger Rogers had to to work harder, and because of that, I, she, I think she was some of the better parts of those movies. And so that just was an interesting parallel to Supergirl. That yeah, she might have to get over a hurdle because she's not Superman, but it, it'll pay off in the end because she'll work harder and she'll kind of be um, be her own thing. So I, I just, as, as a fan of those movies, I thought that was a really interesting thing for her to say. Yeah, no, definitely. And, um, and it is cool that she made that comparison. And, you know, there's, there's also the, the whole idea um, that generally, like, uh, whether you're, you know, a woman or whether you're a minority or, or whether you're any kind of marginalized person for any reason, the idea that you always have to work, uh, you always have to be twice as good. You always yeah. have to, to, to work twice as hard to get the same benefit or reaction or, or what have you. And so there probably will be a lot of that for Supergirl considering that, you know, her cousin's so famous and he's, you know, kind of already established as a hero and as a man, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's the guy that, that people expect to be the hero. And here comes this kind of younger woman who looks very slight. And, you know, she looks like, you know, when she's dressed up like Cara Danvers or, uh, you know, she's got the glasses on, she looks super mousy, um, (laughs) running around with her coffee, kind of, you wouldn't look at her and expect her to be able to stop a truck with her bare hands. Right. Um, so she would have to like make more of an effort just to be, kind of seen on the same level yeah um until people get to know her obviously and and i'm sure we'll see that in the course of the show but it'll be interesting to watch that play out for her um in the public eye um especially through cat grant um knowing what we know about cat grant in the uh the supergirl footage that they released where she says you know what's wrong with being a girl and she makes that whole speech and yeah um so it's i feel like it's going to be something that that Cat Grant wants to help Supergirl with and kind of frame it so that, you know, people see her as a hero rather than as, you know, second best to Superman. Like, oh, yeah, if you can't get Superman, then call Supergirl, where it's like, no, Supergirl's a hero in her own right. You know, call her first. She's here. Oh, yeah. Good points. Well, now, we did want to talk about uh, one of the things that came out of Comic-Con. We had mentioned the special... 
uh, TV guides that had come out um, that had different covers with DC characters on them. One of them, of course, had uh, Supergirl on the cover looking fabulous. Um, (laughs) But also inside that, there was a four-page comic uh, written by Andrew Kreisberg, Greg Berlanti, and Ali Adler called Sister Act. But it's a really interesting uh, little comic just focusing on the relationship between Kara and Alex Danvers. So, uh, Rebecca, what did you think about uh, Supergirl and Kara in this comic? I really liked it, and I hope this is kind of what we're going to see in the show because it's it's a short little story of how Supergirl is – out in the field and she's taken down some kind of bad guy, some alien. I don't really know who that's with a horn supposed to be, but yes, some alien with a horn. And what I like about it is that it's, yes, Supergirl's out there and she's doing the the physical heavy lifting as it were. But Alex is kind of behind the scenes in her ear, kind of helping her through it and and giving her advice and guidance. And it's kind of funny because Kara sort of maybe doesn't listen to her as much as she should. Um, yeah. Like Alex kind of, you know, she's like, I, I told you about those horn, you know, horns, you got to be prepared for that. And so I, I like the idea that they would work together to take down these bad guys and that mm-hmm. Alex is just as much a part of saving the day as Supergirl is. I, I kind of like that. And and it's it's cool because what I like about Alex in this is that, you know, she looks like she's like a DEO agent and she is kind of in the action in her own right. And so I, I would like to see that from Alex in the uh, TV show. Definitely. Now, I loved that, um, you know, despite Supergirl being the, the superpowered being, um, that Alex, you know, has more experience than she does. I mean, this is what she does for a living. Like before Kara even decided to to embrace her, her powers and use them to fight, you know, monsters and crime, um, she, you know, Alex was, was working with these, uh, with all sorts of aliens and whatnot from, you know, the time she got into the workforce. So... I love how you've got Alex using her experience and uh, Kara using her her strength and her her abilities um, together. Um, but also that Alex calls her on that. That and, you know, Alex is like, "Look, I've been doing this longer. Like you've been fighting these creatures for five minutes." <laughs> yeah. um, and that's the other thing I love too is their banter and their humor with each other. Like they they fight like sisters, and I love when uh, you know. Uh, Kara defeats the monster and then she finds a little girl and she's talking to the little girl and uh, at one point she she goes shh to uh, to Alex and Alex is like don't shush me <laughs> yeah so I love that they were able to uh, to have that kind of humorous bantery relationship even in the midst of this uh, you know crazy situation that they're they're dealing with um, and then there's the uh, the the other half of the story. So the first half deals with you know Kara fighting this monster, and they kind of bicker over how to handle it. Um, but then the other half is at the end of that, Kara finds this little girl who's crying, um, have it, who's having witnessed this whole fight with this monster, and goes to comfort her. Um, what did you think about that part? I like it. I like any time we get to see like a hero kind of doing heroic things without having to punch something or you know yeah. having to fight anybody and I, I 
especially like I know we talked about this when we talked about the Bizarro Girl trade paperback and how Supergirl related to Bizarro Girl and she kind of connected with her on an emotional level mm-hmm. and sort of comforted her. And I think that's a cool thing to show with Supergirl is that, yeah, she's this awesome hero who has these awesome abilities, but she's also very caring and she uh, is able to reach people just by listening to them and by trying to understand them. And I really, really, really like that in this comic with uh, with Kara and with Supergirl that she is able to comfort this little girl who is alone. She's, you know, by herself and she's crying and she doesn't know what to do. And, and she has a sister that she's waiting on to come back for her and kind of uh, take her out of this scary situation. And what I love about Supergirl in this is she's like, can I stay with you until she, you know, your sister shows up? And I, I just love that, that she, you know, Supergirl could go and do other things if she wanted to. She could go and be in other places doing other things. But in this moment, she chose to see the important thing that she needed to do at that moment was to stay with this little girl and comfort her and stay with her until her sister got there. And I was just like, that made me like kind of fall in love with this version of Supergirl. And I hope that that's what we see in the show is that she has this compassionate heart for other people. Yeah. And also what I love too, is that she, cause like you said, she should, she could go and do anything else. And also, I mean, she doesn't know where this girl's sister is. She, could like take the little girl to go and find the sister like you know but what I love is that she doesn't assume that the sister's in danger and she doesn't assume that that um her sister left her yeah like the the she kind of uses this moment one to comfort the little girl and also to to kind of reveal her feelings for her own sister for Alex who's listening yeah yeah. um in that you know your sister's gonna come back for you I'll wait with you until she does um because that's what sisters do and so she she kind of uses that moment to both you know, kind of convey to Alex how she feels about her, um, but also to remind this little girl that that sisters always come back. You know, like like your relationship with your sister's strong. She she's on her way right now. I know it. Um, so I'll stay with you. And so that I thought that moment was really cool too, and and how she related that to her own family. And it's funny because during the conversation, like Supergirl's like, "Yeah, my sister's really annoying." And yeah. like, you know, <laughs> like she she says all this kind of funny stuff that that should tick Alex off. Um, and Alex is even like, "Are you kidding me with this conversation?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but she she starts off with that, but then she also kind of relates it to you know. My sister does some of the things that she does because she really actually cares about me. And so I I like that you get to see the two sides of Alex and Supergirls or Alex and Kara, uh, their relationship. They're they're sisters. They squabble sometimes and they snark at each other and they have a little bit of a competition with each other. But at the same time, they they both love each other a lot. And so I, I thought that was cool that they were able to show the sisterly bond between the two of them through the eyes of this little girl. Yeah, and and you do see uh, in a panel um, while Supergirl is talking to the little girl, uh, Alex smiling at what she has to say. Like, yeah, she's she's definitely taking it in. Um, but then I love that the final lines are, you know, Alex responding to something Supergirl says, and she's like, "God, you're annoying." And then Supergirl is like, <laughs> "I love you too." Um, like, and then that's the kind of relationship they have. Um, it's really sweet and. But, you know, nuanced and complicated the way all family relationships are. Um, So they're not trying to make them, you know, super saccharine and, you know, lovey, you know, family stuff. But it's it's real and it's grounded and and fun, too. So that's very cool. Um, 
I'm curious. I mean, would you uh, be interested in seeing more Supergirl comics kind of set in this TV universe? I absolutely would. I and I would love to see it with this same artist and from the the writers of the show because I like that we're getting kind of an idea of like we haven't seen the pilot yet. So we you know we we only know so much about how the the portrayals are and what the show's going to sound like and sort of be like just from like promos that we've seen. But this comic gives a really good glimpse into how the writing is going to be, what the characterization is going to be. And I, I would love to see more of this in terms of the, the characters and s- some of the side stuff that might happen to them. And I really actually love the art in this, this comic. Yeah. I, I like the way everyone is drawn. I like the way Supergirl's costume looks in this. And, and just the, the lightness is very good with Kyler Lee and Melissa Benoist. And um, I, I like the way it was written and the way it was drawn. So I definitely, I would love to see some sort of companion comic that goes along with the show like they do for Flash and Arrow. Yeah, definitely. Um, and normally I'm not a big fan of, uh, of TV tie-in comics. Um, normally I'm like, well, if I'm watching the show, what do I need a comic for? <laughs> yeah. um, but in this case, you know, I, I, I happen to like them more when the writers of the show are involved in the comic. Yeah. Um, because they, they, they're good about, you know, like you, you know that whatever you're getting is canon. And you also know that they're, they're not going to spoil the show for you. But they also have the ability, because it's canon, to create something that's, that's not just fluff. You know, like you can tell a, a whole separate story within the world, whereas like if another writer is going to handle it, they have to be very careful not to contradict what's on the show and all of that. And and the stories tend to be very like, you know, not substantial. Um, whereas if, if they were going to do a comic that was happening at the same time as the show and if Berlanti and Adler and uh, Kreisberg were, were writing it, it would probably be really interesting and really a fun read. Um, and I like. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, and I was going to say I agree with you about uh, the art in this. And I wanted to um, shout out the artist Zermanico, um, who did the, the art in this, because uh, it really is great. And, and Supergirl in particular, you know, looks vaguely like Melissa Benoist, but it's also not like an exact recreation, which you, you know, you don't really want in a comic necessarily, because a comic is its own thing. And you don't want to just like have it be Melissa Benoist in comic form. Um, but it's just enough of a a similarity that, that, you know, this is the TV universe, um, without it being so like beholden to it. Yeah. What I really liked about this was that you kind of get a glimpse into the Supergirl Alex relationship. And so I'm hoping like this is, it's kind of a companion to the show in the fact, or, or maybe giving us a preview glimpse into how the show is going to be. And I'm hoping that this will kind of lead into showing backstories of Alex and Supergirl. Like maybe if they don't do it on the show, like showing Alex and Kara growing up together. Oh yeah. And how they develop their bond. Like I'd like to see that on the show, but if they're not able to do like flashbacks like that, maybe the comic would be a good place to do that kind of showing how they grow up and how they form their bond because they're obviously very close. And so I, I would love it, you know, in addition to seeing the heroics and <laughs> fighting the aliens and everything. It's, it's fun to see more character development. Well, this is something else that we're going to put out in the universe, um, along with my <laughs> million dollars. Is, um, and, and I don't know what's in the works because, as we know, the, uh, the Supergirl um, 
comic was canceled um, this year. And so and our assumption is it's going to come back once the show comes out, you know, like and, and we'll uh, once Supergirl becomes, you know, even more popular with the show, they'll probably bring back her own title at some point. And what I hope is that perhaps this is a a preview into what that title might look like. Um, and maybe the the uh, writers of the show will have um, some kind of participation in whatever the new Supergirl title will be. Um, and I'm curious for all you listeners out there, definitely let us know in the comments what you think. Uh, if you've had a chance to check out this um, four-page comic called Sister Act, um, would you be interested in a comic like this? And, uh, you know, because definitely if, if, if you are interested um, and – we're all about, you know, supporting kind of female-fronted properties out there, letting them know that that's kind of what we want. Uh, you know, definitely let us know in the comments what you think and if you'd like to see something like that. And actually, uh, this would be a good time to kind of get into our listener feedback because we got an email from Amy Ziegfeld who actually wrote in about this very situation. She wrote... Quote, I read and watched a lot of coverage of San Diego Comic-Con. I liked a lot of what I saw, but I have just one question. Where is Supergirl? Obviously, I don't mean the Supergirl TV show, which debuted its pilot to near universal acclaim at, at Comic-Con. They have had a preview night. Um, Amy says, nor do I mean Melissa Benoist, who is delightful on panels and was photographed signing autographs for what looked like thousands of current and future Supergirl fans. Amy says, I mean, in the comics, as you know, DC canceled its Supergirl title in March. There was vague talk that we might see a revised and rebooted Supergirl comic in time for the TV show. Well, Comic-Con has come and gone. Solicitations for October titles are about to come out, and Supergirl is nowhere to be seen in DC Comics. I feel like this is a big problem. Potentially millions of new fans are about to discover Supergirl this fall, only to find that she's not really part of the DC Universe anymore. How is DC going to turn those potential fans into comic readers, or is it just going to ignore them? It kind of feels like DC Comics is leaving money on the table and turning its nose up at millions of dollars in free advertising, unquote. So I think Amy feels uh, very similar in the in the way we do, um, and I hope that this is a this I hope the TV show does kind of put it out there that you know people would like to see. Supergirl comics, and hopefully there will be tie-ins with the show uh, when it comes out. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I, I I can't believe that with the show coming out, they're not going to have uh, a Supergirl title very shortly thereafter. I mean, it might be at the beginning of next year. It might be. It might not be from these immediate solicitations that come out for October. Um, but you know, you got to give the show a chance to to find its groove and make sure it'll last um, before you make a decision like that. However, I mean, I do, you know, uh, disagree in that she's not a part of the universe at all. This is a good time to mention um, DC Superhero Girls, which features Supergirl, and it has officially launched. Um, I know we were very excited about that at the Mary Sue. Uh, we wrote a couple of articles about that. Um, the So it's a line kind of devoted to the female superheroes in the DC universe. And if you want to check it out, you can go to dcsuperherogirls.com. And the description of Supergirl on the site reads, the new girl in a new school on a new planet, Supergirl has a lot to learn before she can become a full-fledged superhero. But she's powerfully persistent with super strength and x-ray vision. So, and yes, this is for, you know, uh, 
it's for a younger crowd. Like this is obviously geared toward girls uh, rather than women um, or rather than adult comic readers. But uh, I mean, she's definitely still a part of the universe um, and the show is part of the universe. And while it would be great to, uh, to translate TV viewers to comic readers, because I think comics are an awesome medium and, and more people should be reading them, period, um, regardless of, of what hero you're reading. Supergirl is still part of the DC universe, and, and I think they're doing kind of different things with her right now. Um, but that d- certainly doesn't close the door on her having her own title either by the end of this year or the beginning of next. Yeah, and I think what the TV show and DCSuperheroGirls.com is showing is that DC does put an emphasis on Supergirl. She's not just like an afterthought. She is uh, a character that they put a lot of love into and want to put her out there and want people to get to know her. So I think she has become a, a priority for DC, even if the you know, the actual solo title is not there. And I think, you know, if, if we want to see it, I, 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 when we're talking, it makes me think of Rowan that, uh, you know, that young, that young girl who said, Hey, DC comics, I want to see some more female superheroes. And she made her voice known and she put her desires for comics that she can read out there and directed it toward DC and DC, <laughs> listen to her and Mm -hmm. uh, I think that that is a good lesson for all of us that if we want to see some things we can put our voices out there too like if you if you want to see more Supergirl stuff out in the world and um, you have a specific thing that you want to request I would encourage people to write DC comics I don't think there's anything wrong with that if you know if you have something that you uh, want to see write DC comics and say hey this is this is something that I think you should be doing, and that will get their attention. I agree, and I think you know that's something that we need to remember as fans is that you know because uh, a lot of times you know we'll complain about like they don't do this, they don't have enough this, blah blah blah. But then what we actually buy and what we actually watch doesn't necessarily reflect what we're saying. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so like you know you have a lot of people being like, how come there's no you know this show or there's not this merchandise or whatever? But then we don't actually buy it when it is available. So all the company sees is oh well nobody spent money on this, so clearly they don't want it. Um, so definitely be vocal, but be more than vocal. Like at, when something's available, pick it up, check it out. Um, actually, <laughs> be vocal with your money. Be vocal with your money because that it really, you know, I mean, they can read through a million emails and, and make a decision that way. But also like if they see that they're <laughs> that every time they put out something that's Supergirl related, it makes a ton of money, they're going to keep making that. Exactly. So, you know, definitely be more conscious about your, your – um, your purchases and stuff. And if you want to see something, uh, you know, make that felt to them in the way that they understand, which is, hey, this makes us money. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm not being cynical when I say that either. Like, I'm not saying, oh, all they care about is money. I mean, it makes sense. Like, you can have people talk a big game about how they want all this stuff and then not go see a female-led superhero movie. Do you know? Yeah. Like, you know... Uh, you can have a movie bomb and then it's like, well, we want female superhero movies. It's like, well, go see the ones that are out. Like... <laughs> Um, that's, a, yeah. that's a way to gauge interest for these companies. So I, I think that's excellent advice. Definitely. Now I know we have some more listener feedback. Uh, we have an, another email that I think you've got Rebecca. Yeah. We got an email from Michael Rotten who wrote, quote, I just heard your episode on girls night out, which I don't think I've 
I'd seen since it originally aired back in the 90s. It reminded me of a series of one-page comics done by Mike Myhack. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. <laughs> and I wanted to point them out to you if you weren't already aware of them. They're a fun and very silly homage to a couple of great heroines, unquote. And I, I actually got to check these out. And they're actually pretty adorable and fun little reads. Um, you can read them very quickly. And um, they're written really well. Um, if you want to check out the comics Michael is talking about, go to calshell.com slash comics slash batgirl dash supergirl. Um, highly recommend them, and uh, thank you for sending that in. Definitely, no, it was. These are so cute, um, and the art is really, really great. It's it's very simple, but very um, just adorable. Um, yeah, definitely check those out. Yeah, and it's it's fun that you know what what I love about the internet. You know, sometimes the internet is terrible, but sometimes the internet is a place where people actually create things and and do fun things with characters you love. And so this is a good example of that. Well, if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we're available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you have time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And we are part of the DC TV Podcast Circle, so if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, and the upcoming Legends of Tomorrow, subscribe to our DC TV Podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. And just as a reminder to Morgan Glennon, Matthew Moore, Sam McDonald, and Michael Poteet, please make sure to email us your addresses to dctvpodcasts at gmail.com so we can send you our fundraiser raffle prizes. Definitely. We don't want to hold on to these. We want to give them to you. So <laughs> so email, once again, that is dctvpodcasts at gmail.com. Send us your information. Um, as for me, you can always find me at The Mary Sue, uh, which is where I am an associate editor. That is themarysue.com. Uh, my blog is the Teresa Giacino Experience, which you can find at teresagiacino.wordpress.com. Uh, you can find me at Teresa Giacino on Twitter and on Instagram and uh, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Teresa Giacino experience. And you can follow me on Twitter at Derby Kid, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D, and watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash DuckMilkProd, that's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. Until next time, I'm still Teresa Giacino. And I'm still Rebecca Johnson. If a family member tells you to listen more, it's probably because they're looking out for you and keeping you safe.